Okay, looks like we are live. Hello, everyone. My name is Robin Bauer-Kilgo. I am the Association Manager for ARCS. Um, welcome to our May ARCS chat. I'm going to just say a couple of quick things, and then I'm off camera for the rest of the time enjoying the show. So uh, real quick. We are planning, ARCS is planning a sustainability meetup at the end of the month. The date is soon to be announced. So if you're interested in that topic, a lot of which was covered on the during the ARCS conference this year, I encourage you to go to our website, arcsinfo.org, to sign up for that meetup. It should be a good time. And our colleagues over in Europe are actually in the process of doing a call for abstracts for the ERC conference, which is happening at the beginning of November. So if you're interested in uh, submitting for that, you can go to their website. I'll put a link in the notes for you guys to get to it. If you just Google ERC 2022, you can go ahead and put in a call for that abstract. Um, and then finally, just as an always a reminder, as we record the show today, there is a slight delay between the chat, which you can participate in if you sign into your Google or YouTube account, and when the actual recording is happening or the live stream. So just keep that in mind while you're communicating to everyone in the uh, group. So without further ado, I'm going to hand this over to John Robinette. Have fun, and we will see you soon. Hey, everyone. Welcome to May's edition of ARCS Chat. I'm John Robinette. I'm an independent collections manager based in the greater New York area. Uh, before I uh, get into the uh, thick and thin of this um, this game show that we're going to do today, I want to um, announce that uh, Amanda and I will be uh, departing Arts Chat at the uh, end of the season, which is uh, June. And uh, we are now in the search for the next generation of, uh, of the chat. So if uh, you or anyone you know has any ideas on how to continue the uh, Arts Chat legacy, uh, any proposal is welcome. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be exactly uh, as we're doing it now in terms of a live chat and podcast. Uh, remember, this thing started on Twitter. It was a t Twitter chat. So um, if you have proposals, please uh, send your ideas to info at artsinfo.org and uh, we'll get them assessed. And uh, hopefully by the fall, we'll have a next generation of, uh, of the chat. Um, I mean, I'm you know wondering if we should even have like multiple arts chats, different time zones, different formats. Maybe some people want to do. Well, anyway, I, I could go on. But anyway, all ideas are uh, interesting and accepted. So please send them in. So. As we get on with our final two episodes, uh, Amanda and I are going to um, kick kick off our, our grand finale with a game show. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this uh, YouTube series called um, Actually. It's a very easy concept for a game show. I'll read the question, and the panel has to correct the statement beginning with um, actually, and, and that's simply the concept. So joining us today to... Uh, participate in uh, in the game show is our panel from Peru, Angelica Issa, who's an objects conservator. Um, Angelica, tell us uh, a little bit about your background. Yes, thank you. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Angelica Issa. I studied conservation in Durham, um, but I've been working at Pachacamac Museum in Peru for the Ministry of Culture, which you can visit over there um, if you want. Um, I'm also on the community board for Conserve, which some of you may have heard about, which is um, a company that does environmental monitoring software. And I'm on the IIC Talent and Participation Committee. So if any of you are members and you are interested in participating a bit more with the IIC, um, you could definitely reach out to me. So I'm really excited to be here today. And thank you for having me. Fantastic. No, thanks for joining us. Uh, next, we have uh, the two hosts of the C Word podcast. Uh, that's C for conservation, right? Um, so uh, joining us are Chloe Rumsey, and uh, today our judge is Jenny Mathiason. So Chloe, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, and then I'll get to Jenny. Hello, I'm an objects conservator. I work in Manchester in um, the UK. I'm specialised, I say I'm objects conservator, but I'm specialised in the textile, uh, conservation of large painted textiles. Um, I We don't tend to say the name of the institution that we work in just out of habit, really, even though we everyone more or less knows where we work in the UK, um, just so we don't annoy employers, really. Um, I graduated in 2013 from Cardiff University and I've been working um, as the SeaWorld co-host since 2017. Good girl, you remembered. <laughs> <laughs> and Ginny, tell us about yourself. Uh, 
Uh, I'm Jenny Mathieson. I am an objects conservator in Wales, uh, where I run my own little company. Uh, so I can say where I work, but you know, that's that's not plugged too hard. Uh, <laughs> but uh, again, uh, with the lovely Chloe, we run the Sea Word the, Cons- the Conservatives podcast, uh, which is amazing and fun. Uh, you should totally listen to it if you want to. Um, and yeah. Other than that, I, you know, everyone's saying where the, where they studied. So I studied in Cardiff uh, and uh, that was 10 years ago. God, grain my hair and everything. This I'm getting on now. <laughs> <laughs> hardly, Lovely hardly. to be here. I'm not going to tell you when I graduated. So, uh, and then lastly, but not leastly, uh, Amanda Robinson, our uh, esteemed Arcs Chat co-host. Yes, I am a senior registrar and assistant director of collections at, I will say it, the John and Mabel Ringling Museum of Art in Sarasota, Florida, but hopefully they like me and it's okay. <laughs> uh, I, I I still can't figure out um, uh, where you are after three years, so. Uh, I well, you know, Florida's a big state. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so let's get on with it. Um, so Today, we have uh, a group of questions that Jenny put together that uh, we will use, and she's going to serve as our judge to assess if uh, they have been uh, adequately corrected. So <laughs> let, me, um, let me share my screen with y'all, and we'll get this party started. So as you can see... Oh man, technology rules. It totally right. does. It's seamless. It's seamless. <laughs> it's totally seamless, right? Uh, you would think after two and a half years of steady Zoom use, I'd be no, seamless. No, no, no. no. <laughs> no one is are. seamless. <laughs> All right. Everybody ready? Everyone have a drink? Here we yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh. <laughs> Going to be okay, guys. <laughs> Just Three here martini. to have fun. <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay, so the 10 agents of deterioration are a list of forces likely to affect the condition of an object or a collection. The agents are physical forces, fire, water, pests, light, vandalism, climate change, incorrect temperature, incorrect relative humidity, and custodial neglect. Do you just go? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, actually, um, climate change directly isn't one of the agents. I think it's replacing pollution. Oh, well done, Angelica. Oh, that was Four quick. Points. That was well quick. Done. I was still counting them. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Same straight, here, Chloe. <laughs> straight out of the gate. Well done, Angelica. That's oh, a point wow. for Angelica. Hey, strong start. Oh, Love it. Yeah, yeah that's wow. right. So uh, climate change is not officially uh, part of the 10 agents of deterioration, although maybe we should add it as an 11th one, although 10 is such a nice number. So who Yeah, knows? 10 is nice and roundish. So, all right, next. Here we go. <laughs> I got a chat screen in my way. Okay. While infestations are never funny, the museum world is full of pests with slightly funny names. Vodka beetles, fire brats, red-legged ham beetles, grunions, and odd beetles. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, actually, red-legged ham be- beetles aren't a thing? They are Did completely a real, oh. thing. a real thing. No! <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I've had some experience with them directly. They are not fun. Ooh. Oh, great. I'm going to say, um, actually, vodka beetles are not a real thing. They are completely a real thing. They are very much a real thing. I'm pretty sure I <laughs> ate grunions as a kid. They were in a bag like potato chips. Did anyone That's else? That's funions. <laughs> <laughs> and they are delicious. <laughs> yes. We've had two guesses so far. Uh, Angelica, would you like a guess? I guess, I, I guess um, actually, grunions isn't isn't a, a, a bug, I, I guess. <laughs> you absolutely get the point, Angelica, because grunion is actually a type of fish. Is it really? What kind yeah. of interesting. Where, where uh, does this fish live? Do you know? I seem to recall that it was in California waters, actually. So, uh, wow. you know, that sort of thing. But uh, feel free to correct me in the chat uh, if you would like. But grunion is definitely a type of fish. Yeah. And, and anyone else who wants to a- answer in the chat, please go ahead. And I'm really enjoying the follow-up questions. Are they edible? I mean, I, I didn't. I, honestly, I don't, I don't know. 
No, I had one myself. Do you want to eat a grunion? I mean, the name alone is funny, but it doesn't sound terribly appetizing. But, no. but fish names often don't, to be honest. Then you could say you've had a grunion. Oh. It sounds like a character on SpongeBob or something. I don't know. It's it sounds a, like a medical condition, and I'm not really sure yeah. that's okay. <laughs> My grunions are acting up today. My grunions are really acting up. So, all right, uh, all right. Let's let's uh, let's move on here. Okay. Cellulose nitrate is a flammable material frequently found in collections. It self-ignites at a temperature of 65 degrees Celsius or 150 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's vital to keep storage and display areas well below this temperature and to store cellulose nitrate away from heat sources like radiators. Oh, Chloe's waving immediately. I don't know the temperature that it (laughs) self-ignites, but I'm pretty sure it's way lower than 65. Yeah, you are correct. Lower. Mm-hmm. You are correct, and but I, I will give you the point unless someone can tell me actually what the temperature is. or would like oh, to have a guess. No. Fair. Hey, <laughs> come on, you might Amanda. still get the point. You might still get the point. Is it some? Oh, but I only know Celsius. I don't know Fahrenheit. No, that's You're fine. Both there, you can answer. Both yeah. There. Is it like maybe thirty? One or something like that. That would be terrifying. It is actually a little bit higher than that. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say 90 degrees, but it's been a while since I've looked into. I I foolishly only remember the Celsius now, which is very silly. So it'd probably be like 40 something Celsius, maybe? So actually, very degraded cellulose nitrate, the, um, it can self-ignite as low as 50 degrees Celsius, which isn't terribly high, really. Like you can see on an extra radiator or in, in an elevated temperature situation that might happen. So mm. yeah, that is proper scary stuff. It is when it's degraded, mind you. It's not just any old cellulose nitrate. But <laughs> Define degraded. So. How, how degraded uh, does it need to be? I mean, I th- I do believe the article I read uh, did say that it needed to be a little bit powdery, you know, like mm-hmm. properly it's coming to bits. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's quite degraded. Uh, but on okay. the other hand, if you don't look in your boxes very often, who knows? Uh, right, right, <laughs> that right. might be a nasty surprise for everyone involved. But yeah, it is terrifyingly low. I will give that point to Chloe because she did still say it and no one else got like quite correct answer. <laughs> so I'm going to give that to Chloe. Chloe's that still getting... means Angelic is in the lead. Come on, Amanda, you can do it. I believe in you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hobbling along. All right. Yeah, we we totally put you right in the middle of your expertise, right? (laughs) I mean, who knows this, right? Besides conservators. Um, Give me a loan agreement. I'll do a loan agreement. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I should have thrown something like that in there. Conservation materials come from all over the world. For example, uh, (laughs) aerodite. Aerodite. Yeah. Started in England, Tyvek fibers were discovered in America, and paraloid was invented in Germany. That's right. This one you might have to just guess, but I'm going to okay. say, um, actually, paraloid was not invented in Germany. You are correct. Would you like to have? Would anyone like to have a stab at where it might have been invented? It's either the UK or America, because I think paraloid. Is not the original name. I don't remember the original name. So Paraloid is like the brand name, right? But I it don't... is the brand and it's true. I did actually go for the brand technically uh, rather than the exact uh... copolymer. Uh, but you are still correct. So I will give you the point. Um, <laughs> because what I'm after here is actually Paraloid uh, or Acryloid, as it's known in some parts of the world, uh, is made by a company that started in Germany. But by the time they actually invented paraloid they'd moved to america so technically it's probably no longer correct to say that it was invented in germany <laughs> it's merely by a german company so uh actually was it was made tricky. in america mm-hmm. it's uh, a bit tricky that was uh, <laughs> amanda was shaking her head like you should have just said acryloid and <laughs> fair fair she, she knew the other the other name i did i did that was familiar as well oh, yes. <laughs> so tricky so tricky uh, okay here we go Every institution will have an emergency response kit tailored to their own needs, but in most of them, you'll find a copy of the emergency plan, stationery, small tools, gloves, and other personal protective equipment, clean water, plastic bags, caution tape, and absorbent materials such as sponges and towels. 
thoughtful face. Um, um, actually, why would you need stationary in an emergency kit? Oh, that's that not what there. I'm after, but interesting. A, a lot of these kits do sort of state that you should have uh, clipboards, notepads, pens. Oh, markers, so I thought sort of stationary, thing. like branded stationary some, for your some company. Letterhead. Yeah. Some, I'm like, I mean, I guess I could be sending some letters. Oddly sexy. Yes, Chloe. Um, Actually, you wouldn't store clean water in your your um, emergency kit that is correct chloe well done you get the point um that is not normally something that we include it is however something included it is definitely something that's included in what's called sort of personal emergency kit so once you have at home in case of uh you know like uh, an, an actual you know natural disaster and stuff that sort of thing they do recommend that you keep some clean water but definitely not for museums. So, so you well done, wouldn't Chloe. have like distilled water available in case I you needed it. A couple bottles in mind. Yeah. See, there's no reason that you couldn't, but it isn't normally mm. recommended as such. It doesn't usually make it onto the big checklists, uh, which mm. is what my nitpickiness here was about. <laughs> Does uh, uh, anyone in the chat have any responses to this? Yeah, would love to hear. Does anyone actually keep water in their um, emergency kit? Because I would be curious. We'll see if we get some responses coming yeah. in. Nothing so far, but we yeah, are some, on delay. Some, True. Uh, you know, some canned goods and <laughs> baked beans. You'd be like uh, Robin and have instant coffee in our emergency yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, just keep the emergency tea bags there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, here we go. Next, mini materials we look after are very light sensitive. These are normally recommended light levels under 50 lux, such as textiles, feathers, works on paper, and photographs. On the other end of the spectrum are more robust materials that are considered insensitive to light, like stone, ceramic, minerals, metal, and glass. These are often given a recommendation of 300 lux. Um, actually, there are some minerals that are highly light sensitive. That is generally correct. In fact, minerals are sort of classed as more of a moderately light sensitive thing because it does vary, um, certainly. I mean, you could argue that it varies with absolutely everything, but that's, you know, perhaps a little bit too nitpicky. Uh, but yeah, minerals are actually considered medium light sensitive and not insensitive uh, as such. So that's a point for Chloe. Well done. What What are some minerals that would be more light sensitive than others? That is a great follow-up question that I'm not prepared for at all. <laughs> I think Chloe is. I, Come on. No, I, I don't actually, I haven't actually really dealt that much with geology collections, unfortunately. Nope. But if someone in the chat <laughs> does, that would be amazing. Yeah. Well, the pigments would count, wouldn't they? So what was that? The pigments would count, just regular paint pigments. Yeah, I mean... Definitely, some pigments do definitely, you know, uh, react poorly to light. So, yes. I know some are more susceptible to oxidization than others, but I have no idea what they are. But, I mean... Get in the chat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, please let us know. This is sort of drawing attention to how specialized each end of conservation is right you know it's like you know if you're if you're in painting objects you know minerals uh or, or geology it's it's really uh you know bringing to the front that uh that uh it, it the the specialties is um is, is so specific right so. definitely don't know everything <laughs> I, i'm just <laughs> I holding my tongue because i i know most of these but i just want to make sure it's a fair game um okay <laughs> Currently, we're tied with uh, Chloe and Angelica, but Amanda, I believe in you. You can totally do this. Don't don't let them win. Amanda, I gave you all the questions. Come on. No. <laughs> you know what? I actually checked my inbox this morning in hopes that you would have. You're just giving your guests the, the best run. <laughs> I guess I get your email wrong. <laughs> so, all right. Lead is a toxic metal found in many historic items. Lead alloys and lead compounds may be found in objects such as theatrical makeup, pigments on textiles, colored insulation on wires, crystal wine glasses, oven gloves, fishing weights, sculptures, miniature figures, urns, toys, and rechargeable batteries. Mm. I would, uh, um, actually, 
I would say probably not rechargeable batteries because I think those are lithium-based or zinc-based maybe, something like that. That is a great guess. However, uh, some rechargeable batteries do have a lead-based compound in them. Not all of them, but some of them certainly. Uh, So it can be in rechargeable batteries, depending Mm. on age and manufacturer, etc. Actually, why would it be on coloured insulation on wires? Whilst a lovely follow-up question, it is genuinely somewhere that, for example, the uh, CCI notes state that you might find lead. So, fun fact, it might be... It might oh. be in your wires if, they're, if they've got coloured insulation on them. So, how nitpicky uh, are you being here? Like when you say <laughs> pigments, because I've I got know. quite a lot of painted textiles. That's true. But it's the pigment, it, like the pigment, the coloration is the lead. Is that a pigment? Yes. Is that what you mean? It is can that be, what you yes. Mean? It can be, yes. Um, okay. Okay. Amanda? But would Hazard it only guess. be pigments on textiles? Wouldn't it be pigments on other medium? I mean, it totally can be. Oh, oh I'm inclined to give you half a point there because it's not what I'm after, but of course that is technically <laughs> true. That is technically correct, which is this game entirely. So <laughs> sort of inclined to give you a point, actually, even though it's not the one I'm after. Well, I mean, <laughs> who's putting... Uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go, 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 go. I was also <laughs> like oven gloves. Oh, they were. you... Definitely get a point for that because that is the one that I threw in for fun. Oh, uh, really? Oh, I was thinking asbestos. I was like, I oh, will definitely. That is have exactly that right. Or so X-rays, that, right? That is, is definitely. It's likely that you will find nasty things like asbestos inside oven gloves, for example, um, at least historic ones, but uh, probably not lead. Uh, so yeah. That's great. That's a great job. I love I get it. A point. Amanda. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you do. Come up. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, I just want to, before we go to the next question, uh, is there any uh, any responses from the uh, chat? Anyone playing along? Ooh, um, Adrian Reed had said that I also hear that opals are, but I'm not sure if I missed her comment if she's talking about um, uh, lead and pigments. Yeah. Possibly. I missed a question because I had to step away for a second. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I, Pat, oh, yeah. go ahead. No, I was going to say maybe she was discussing the uh, the mineral. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That sounds pretty, right. That, that seems sounds right. to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> and then Pat had noted that, um, she said, I noticed the clue said every museum will have an emergency kit, if only that were true. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, Fair enough. Fair Pat, you make a good point. Fair enough. You, Fair enough. Pat gets a point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh man, good call. All right, let's go. Let's go on. Oh, are we at the end? Oh, that's that all possible? your questions. Oh, oh that's all of your questions. <laughs> I should number the slides. To be fair, um, <laughs> however, it does mean that we're in an absolutely delightful position of saying that Chloe and Angelica have tied with three points each, so we have <laughs> two winners. Amanda's runner-up with one point, but did exceedingly well. <laughs> Bravo, guys! Fantastic! Yay! <laughs> oh, I was, uh, we, we we didn't discuss whether or not they actually win something, so um, we might arrange something. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The now we have to get two things. Come on! <laughs> or, or, or or maybe we should uh, you know score it like golf, and so um, you know those who get the least <laughs> get the, get the prize, right? It's, it's just just so you don't have to pay for shipping to Peru or the UK. <laughs> Partially, but also like you know registrar solidarity, that sort of thing. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. That is fair. <laughs> so I'm. I have half a mind to bring in our, our uh, qu- practice questions from yesterday, but... Um, that is you know. slightly unfair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but will you remember them, right? I don't know. Ooh. I don't know. That's, that's, that's yeah. why it's unfair. expected <laughs> 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 to know them. <laughs> no, you all did very well. Thank you all so much for playing. You've been great. Great um, questions. Thanks. Jenny, those were those were fantastic and uh, and extremely tricky. <laughs> so um, it is we, very we, difficult to think of questions that are actually like broadly conservation without going into an actual specialism, um, because right. that's yeah. that's surprisingly tricky. 
uh, I should have kept more. I should have done some loan-based ones. I feel bad. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I mean, what 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 did you use as a source? Are these sort of just your own general? Um, uh, what's so, the word? Facts I, or I, trivia? I, I frankly leaned heavily on things like the uh, AIC wiki, for example, and the CCI notes. So those are great uh, resources uh, to go to for this sort of, sort of thing. Uh, so partially that and also just a couple of articles, because sometimes I was just curious. I was like, I wonder what, I wonder what this is. Um, so yeah, I went down various rabbit holes. It's a dangerous it's a dangerous task to give me uh, the task of writing <laughs> questions for a, for a quiz show. Please, no one do that. <laughs> I want to know what an odd beetle looks like, please. Yes, or a vodka beetle. I just see him holding a martini. Like a... That's not oh, good. they're just a bit brown. Yeah, yeah they, oh, they, totally. they, they're just, they're just That's brown That's underwhelming. <laughs> Very much so. But it is where vodka comes from. That's why it's called a vodka beetle. Right? Oh! What happened to potatoes? <laughs> <laughs> what was that in the Jellica that you said? Um, we need the picture of the Grunion, I think. Uh, oh, oh right. nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll try. I'll try to find a Grunion for you. <laughs> At least, I, maybe I can uh, find it and uh, and share my screen here. Um, but uh, I was going to say, uh, have you have you uh, dealt with any of these? Um, any of you have dealt with any of these pests before, like the vodka beetle or the ham beetle or whatever? What'd you call it? Oh, but what? Well, mm, yeah, I, I really like that they're called red legged as well. Yeah. No. The, vod- the vodka beetles I have dealt with in the past, uh, but only not like full scale infestation, just finding them, which is something. What type of materials do they tend to like? Uh, vodka beetles. They um, okay. So first of all, they are uh, called vodka beetles because part of their species name is Smirnovi, so as in Smirnov the podcast um which is why why that happened um <laughs> uh, they eat wool textiles carpets skins uh fur probably feathers as well so they're not great if you have taxidermy for example um this this is yeah oh, oh right. no. those are grunions those are grunions nice oh i don't like it no. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure you should. Oh, they're little. Oh, but they're coming out of the mud. They yeah, look at that. Hi, guys. Grunions. Yeah, definitely don't want this in your in your work. No. Artifacts. <laughs> Surprise, it grunions. Have, it does have oh, silverfish vibes, though, doesn't it? This guy is- <laughs> yes, oh, it does. We've, <laughs> we've, we've got grunions again. Wow. <laughs> it's fun <laughs> to say, though. It's fun to say. And the vodka beetle, right? Vodka beetle is literally just like this. It's just a little brown thing. It's not oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. it's just a little brown thing. But you don't want to find them. That's it. They, they do bad things. They do bad Every things. Every time I see a beetle, my heart skips a beat. In in the museum world, outside of the museum world, I'm not really that bad about it. Oh, right. in, in a I horrified way, not in a romantic in way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, in a horrified way. I'm I'm not <laughs> typically in love with insects, but but you live in Florida. I know you think that I'd have better feelings towards them, but I don't. Yeah. <laughs> All I have to do is look in my basement. I've got a very humid basement, and right now it's spider cricket season, so these things are just everywhere. What's a spider it. cricket? That's it not is. a combination of <laughs> words we're terrifying. prepared for. <laughs> yeah, is it a spider is. or is it a cricket? Yeah, I no, was about I, to I, ask that. I, I, I love uh, animals that are named after other animals, right? So uh, tiger shark, for example, you know, it's, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, spider cricket is really, it's a, it's not a huge cricket, but it, it does have the, uh, the appearance of a spider. Uh, oh. The legs are a, a, a slightly different shape, still the same concept, but uh, yeah. Um, they are numerous mm. here and, um, and, and I was recently told really, really bad like pest wise I didn't know this but I was uh, there was um we had a project with some entomologists and they're like oh yes crickets they're the carnivores they're oh. cannibals oh I see they're like she's like just treat them as if they were cockroaches oh, yeah. so now when oh. I find, I find crickets I have to count them as pests oh that's a shame yeah I um I have tried the chapulines uh, the crickets in in Mexico <laughs> and um and had them in a taco form 
they were fried up and they were crunchy and made even crunchier by the frying. And uh, was it just the, like popcorn? I, I will oh. say it was. Um, I, I didn't enjoy it. It was. It was. Uh, was it, it a was significant emotional event? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was like it was. Um, you know, uh, very crunchy and earthy, as you might. You know, it seems logical in in, in retrospect, right? But um, yeah, it was um, not something I, I really want to replicate. Maybe it was just the place, though. Who knows? But uh, I've done a little bit of bug experimentation. How about <laughs> you? <know? laughs> I have not eaten bugs. <laughs> no. no, no, not really. We have ants, though. They do. They do make ants here. Yeah, like fry them up and then you supposedly eat them like popcorn. But mm -hmm. I, I don't think I could do it. Yeah. Because they're looking at How you. How big are the ants? Oh, uh, biggish. Yeah, like oh, blimey. Oh, okay. Half an inch. No, we don't get we don't get beefy ants. No, no, <laughs> we, we get teeny tiny ants. So I, I mean, do always think that IPM in Europe is like IPM on easy mode. Definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely. Is. We get scary spiders, and that is not okay. But nothing that you know. No scorpions. Nothing that looks too Jurassic. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This isn't Australia where the spiders are like the size of your car. <laughs> I did, I did really enjoy uh, looking for types of pests that were um, available in different parts of the world for this question. Yeah. Um, just, just to throw everyone off the scent a little bit, and and it, it seems like the the one pest that we all get absolutely everywhere is literally just the rat, because the rat has been on every ship going everywhere, so the rats are literally everywhere. <laughs> But uh, I was going more for an insect vibe and uh, not so much a full rodent vibe. <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, this is a pretty interesting topic. I mean, you know, we've if we make um, culinary arts out of uh, IPM, then I think that we have really a a new area of uh, investigation, right? And, uh, come and pick your come and pick your own beetles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Farm to table. Uh, oh, no. oh. So, I mean, who wants to think of their collections as farms, right? But, um, <laughs> this used to be our textile store. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, um, <laughs> uh, Amanda, is there is there anything happening in the chat? Any uh, any any questions from uh, from uh, listeners? Responses to some of the questions that uh, maybe need uh, follow ups. No, no, it's pretty quiet out there. We've we have had some resources shared, and then um, Robin oh, did really? agree that Australia was terrifying. <laughs> oh yeah, fair, fair. I okay. feel like you'd have to watch out that it doesn't kill you if you're in Australia for the for the bugs, right? Like before you like collect your monitors, you have to make sure everything's dead. Unless <laughs> that's probably wise in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in general, My I do not like things that are actually alive yeah. on the trust. That's not good. I had insects sort of like jump at jump at me from from traps. Yeah. <laughs> not what? But I bet in Peru there's some there's some frightening things as well, right? You'd be surprised, but not at least not where I am. We have yeah. we oh, have yeah. scorpions, but they're not you know they're not Australia level scorpions. They won't kill you. <laughs> they're just Australia. they're just scary because they're scorpions. But you know you'll be fine. I love how unfazed you were by saying we have scorpions. And all of my brain is like, nope. <laughs> In fairness, yeah. I had a, a Chinese student um, last summer, and I famously despise spiders. I cannot, I cannot, just can't spiders at all. So I was like, oh, so I'm going to have you do IPM, everyone, for me, please, so that I don't have to do the spiders for a quarter. Thank you. And she was like, oh, like spiders spiders are fine and then she saw our spiders in the uk and was like what the hell is that <laughs> that's horrific i don't like spiders anymore like sorry oh this is my feeling too <laughs> do you have um wolf spiders there we have we have them here and they are pretty large Again, with your with your things named after other things <laughs> no, it's, it's pretty great right and they are they are probably a good you know they can be a couple inches in diameter and we don't have and, a well, well, Harry. So they're called, the big ones here are called house spiders, giant mm -hmm. house spiders, or or something. Um, yeah, but they're not technically wolf spiders, but they they can be like uh, 
Yeah, with their legs. Four inches. Yeah. Oh, wow, four inches. That's that's not impressive. okay. It's not okay. <laughs> and they in, run across the floor as well when you're sitting. They do. Yeah. In, in in our yeah. house, we call them gentleman spiders because you can sort of imagine them having little top hats uh, because of <laughs> the scale of them. <laughs> the scale of them it lends itself to a little hat somehow, and somehow that pleases me. It makes it less <laughs> scary if they have little hats. <laughs> Robin, uh, wrote... that helps me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, there's Fred. Still have to muster up the courage to get him outside yet. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty Robin, much. Robin wrote into the chat that she's had live snakes on sticky traps. Uh, no. So. Oh, that's hard. Florida. Like snakes or snakes? I, I imagine. a trap around. On the smaller side. Robin, we need Robin's like snakes. Multiple feet long. Exotic Florida. Anyway. <laughs> wow. Nice. Nice. Okay. Wow. Aren't your monitors like this big? Wait, yeah, but the... they they can wear them as a hat, can't they? Or like <laughs> maybe just it's just maybe it's just a tip of a tail. Yeah, tip of a tail. Well, and I think it depends on the type of traps you have down. Because sometimes, like okay. I, I can say, also being in, in Florida on the exterior, I don't know if this is in other states in the U.S. or it's like a southeast region thing. But they have large traps for like to catch rats and such. Oh yeah, that's and true. larger traps for other things. I'm guessing like snakes, and that's where you can connect, connect collect some of those. We have those at our offsite storage. These larger traps, they do collect larger things. Nice. Oh, wow. I like how nice. we're being vague about larger things. <laughs> <laughs> Please, uh, IPM experts in Florida, chime in. We want to know. In Australia, too, if you're up. <laughs> yeah, how do they make traps for those things out there? Oh, yeah, right. I think I still think one of my favorite stories that we heard on the show is that um, someone never knew until they took a new job. In fact, in Florida, I think, uh, <laughs> that they needed to worry about gecko poop behind, or like lizard poop, in fact, behind paintings, mm-hmm. because that's for the lizard side. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. And I'm like, you're right. I've never worried about that. <laughs> wow. I think there are anoles down here in Florida. Okay. I'm sure there's a variety because when you get to Miami, they actually have like a version of, um, oh God, I can't remember. It's not a salamander, but it's like a very, very large gecko. They're not oh. native, I don't believe. And the first time I saw them when I was in Miami, I was like, good God, what is that? Um, and they were everywhere at the museum that I was at. That was at side at because they had a sculpture garden. I was like, oh, it's so lovely. I'm like, oh my God, this animal is chasing me. Wow. Terrifying. Well, I was trying to imagine a scenario where you'd have to worry about these larger things because I'm like, well, there's no way they can get inside a a storage facility. But I guess if you have a sculpture park of some sort and, uh, you know, it'd be easy for things to nest in the nooks and crannies of uh, some of these things. So um but I suppose maybe- it depends on if you have like an open front door sort of policy or like mm-hmm. if the museum is open you've got the front door mm-hmm. open and maybe there aren't doors in between the galleries and anything can just wander in and make itself a home I suppose mm-hmm. <laughs> like wow. a particularly striking lizard <laughs> <laughs> this IPM discussion is amazing right this is one for the one it for got the wild <laughs> <laughs> uh fire brats we didn't address that one um, oh yes what um, I don't think that? I've ever seen one live. Fire brats are not a thing for us in, yeah, in I don't the UK. That. So, uh, also my other my other half was sure that that one was made up. <laughs> Did you test them on him? No, he 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 came in and he demanded to see the questions in a sort of a. <laughs> I would like to sample the questions. That's fine. You won't know any of them. <laughs> and yeah, he did not think the fire brats were a real thing, but they totally are. But just not here. Hold on, I'm I'm searching for it. Um, it's just like I, a brown silverfish, isn't it? Like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, it. I've seen this. I was going to say, I, I recognize the name, but I don't know. If, I'm sure they probably are in Florida. What isn't in Florida? <laughs> you have termites <laughs> as well, don't you? Oh, yes, very bad. Oh, we have termites too. Yeah. Fire brat. <laughs> I mean, this is frightening. So, but yeah, I you're mean, right. They do look like brown they silverfish. Just like, they totally just like do. Fish. Yeah. yeah, must be same family or something. Mm. What are they problematic for? Probably mm. the same thing. It's like paper, you know, mold. They they probably graze mold. Great in the taco. They're not as bad oh, as man. 
I think house centipedes are more terrifying than silverfish or any of those. Oh, it's an interesting one. Are there some parts of the world that you can only get bitten by a centipede twice or something? And after that, you might just die next time. (laughs) Chloe, what have you been reading? (laughs) I'm sure Neris told us on the show once. Oh, that might be true. I don't know. I don't don't remember this, but that's fine. I probably just blocked it out. (laughs) They're probably poisonous, aren't they? I mean, Mm. but not house centipedes, I don't think. Not the ones that they get in the US. I've only ever seen them in the US. Other insects that you get a lot of that you don't worry about that are just insects but they're not going to eat your collection do you get that in your bits of the world i get wood lice do you worry about those are they just there they feed my resident um household case bearer population oh Oh, i see ah i tend to find on my monitors i find like the remainders of what once was a wood louse or a oh, I feel bad for the wood lice. And lots of like little cases around it. Mm. And I used to be very confused because I used to think I had regular case, you know, case moths. And then I didn't. <laughs> and then Collect- it wasn't the right one. Collections care is so glamorous, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to... Um, throw out I do want to throw out our previous questions for our listeners uh, the ones that we we use as our practice yesterday see if anyone listening can actually answer this and um, I will try and share my screen without sharing the answer however so let's see if I can accomplish that answers on a postcard (laughs) yeah exactly so all right here we go I um, see what uh, what everyone can accommodate here all right so humans have used many things as adhesives over the millennia and many of them aren't actually what we call conservation friendly if there were conservators a couple of thousand years ago they'd likely swear quietly over someone someone's use of fish glue pitch or the oldest adhesive we know of animal glue anyone out there have any uh responses and remember your response has to begin with um actually so (laughs) um this uh i will point out that nobody got this correct uh yesterday when we practiced this and um it's uh it is quite a tricky one to be fair yeah indeed yeah yeah so um and maybe should i should i throw the other one out too maybe i should Oh, oh, I just showed you answer. <laughs> go, go, go. This will not be applicable on the podcast version. <laughs> uh, exactly. Um, that's why I have to read it. So, um, but I mean, I, who was it that pointed out that fish glue is an animal glue? <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on how broadly you take it. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and also but, we had quite a nice discussion about how the various animal glues can be pretty good right they do have their uses we still use mm. them actually so yeah. actually it's yeah for gluing animals together of course <laughs> <laughs> i'm actually considering the use of um fish glue or isinglass in one of my next projects mm. on, on textile mm-hmm. painted textile not, not fish okay not fish. No. <laughs> You're not to a textile. Not back to the glass gronians. has like a more um, shiny finish. Isinglass. Well, a yeah. fish glue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's actually used for the conservation of matte surfaces. Um, mm. it, one of the things that can be used as, as conservation of matte surfaces, along with um, a fenori, which is from a Japanese seaweed. Oh, interesting. Uh, any anyone chiming in on this? It is a, a a tricky one. Nothing yet. All right, all right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, display the answer here. And um, actually, the oldest adhesive we know of is birch bark tar, used around 200,000 years ago. Can someone please explain what birch bark tar is? <laughs> no. <laughs> 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 is that you won't or you can't <laughs> you refuse 
<laughs> I refuse on principle. Um, <laughs> what I was going to say was that obviously when you think about things like um, animal glue and fish glue, it's something that you've had to process, right? You've had to boil something for a while to create a goop that you can use. As for um, this stuff is something that's more naturally occurring, that it's a little bit easier. Um, and we found them used in very early tool usage. Uh, so the theory is that they've been used to glue um rocks into um handles for example to create axes and stuff like that so it's it seems to have been a, a an old favorite for um early humans um and that's the thing which is quite cool really neanderthals specifically i just looked that up indeed. that's so cool indeed wow. so would they have picked it up from a tar pit somewhere that they found and then just used I mean, it Presum- presumably, presumably for this sort of stuff, it will have been uh, something that was naturally occurring and then they were like, ah, this works. Um, yeah. As with many things, uh, it may have been an accidental discovery. <laughs> but Angelica, yesterday you mentioned that uh, garlic is all, all, also used as an yes. adhesive as well, right? Yeah, this oh, is cool. Yes, but that was um, that's very specific for gilding. So it's like, it's lit- I think it's called garlic gilding. <laughs> Um, and because really all you need to do is like, if you cut up garlic, if you've ever, I'm sure you've like when you're cooking, um, the juice that comes out of the garlic, like is sticky, very, I suppose, yeah. it's, actually, it's very sticky. Um, and I think they just kind of soak that in water and it makes the water have this tack and that's enough for, you know, very old gilding techniques in Italy, I think. Wow, these wow. things also tasty. <laughs> <laughs> and you can lick it when you're done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lick your brush. <laughs> That's how it works. It it interacts with the saliva when you lick it. Well, <laughs> speaking of saliva, isn't that interesting that it's the enzymes in your saliva are actually very good for cleaning surfaces, like glaze yes. ceramic surfaces, which I didn't realize until I saw our objects conservators licking a Q-tip <laughs> and using it to clean a glaze ceramic. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, probably best if you spit in a cup rather than you put. <laughs> yeah, I have tried that, and it's actually does it not work. It, it does work, but it's you can't. This is graphic. You can't monitor the amount of saliva so easily because it's a dip rather than a sort of a sort of suck. But yeah. if you're doing it directly from your mouth, you do have to be careful about you know the cleanliness of what you're dipping into like you can't double dip (laughs) and you can't you can't like you'd have to be really careful about reusing the stick that if you were making your own q-tips so potentially you'd want the fresh ones the 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 ready-made ones um have you ph tested your saliva before you do that do you just like no i haven't actually but it, the, the general advice is oh, don't want to eat now. loads of sugar or something beforehand like don't <laughs> eat beforehand um right. and specifically don't eat sugar beforehand which is a major problem for me so yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> i definitely remember i am um, i was cleaning or i was i was thinking about cleaning um like a tibetan sculpture a long 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 time ago um and i thought about saliva um, and luckily we had a, like, we had a llama available locally in London mm-hmm. ask because, in you know, London. yeah, there's, you know, there's various, um, like Buddhist, um, institutions or temples and they you get, they have llamas in them. Um, so you get like, not, not Peruvian llamas, you know, like Buddhist monk right. llamas. And then you oh, ask right. them because, <laughs> you know, they say, you know, the figure is very sacred. So I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be spitting on, you know, mm-hmm. kind of spitting on it while I'm cleaning it so I want to make sure that it would be okay for me to test saliva on it before I actually did that that was kind of cool it's amazing also well done for doing that (laughs) yeah things you never think of right (laughs) all right I'm going to go to this other one and see if uh this I think might have been the most difficult one oh don't for sure look at the answer (laughs) All right. So um, again, uh, chime in if you have any uh, thoughts on this one. For for anyone dealing with information stored on things such as optical disks or magnetic tapes, it's important to keep backup copies. Ideally, three copies of the information should be made and one copy should be stored off-site. If the same type of storage media is used for one of the copies, it's vital to use the same brand. Paraloid. 
this this one is exceedingly tricky, and um, we debated all sorts of aspects of this one, which I thought was really cool, actually, because we had a go at guessing which bit might be incorrect. Right. Well, I mean, we got I, it off the bat though in our practice run. Did she? No, I didn't. I mean, sorry. I mean, yeah, I did whatever. Um, I said that you couldn't possibly have three copies of everything, but that's mm-hmm. just, that's just, um, you know, given reality yeah. and storage yeah. space mm-hmm. and, you know, things like that. I mean, it, it does say ideally, to be fair. Mm-hmm. And also it, it just needs yeah, to be true. copies of the information, which might then be, you know, if it's something on an optical disc, you might be copying that onto a hard drive, for example, that's mm-hmm. one copy. That's true. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, that will take up space, of course, uh, both digitally and physically, but only mm-hmm. so much. Um, and then you still need to figure out what to do with your other two copies, of course, but still. Um well, yeah. I, I just had a, a situation come up today where, um, you know, the collection that I work with, uh, they have a time-based media and it's being loaned to a museum. And we had a question mm-hmm. like, you know, was, do we actually have to do an loan agreement if there's really no physical thing going and uh, to to the exhibition, right? You're not actually Ooh. loaning anything. Mm. Um, I mean, look, you, you, you need to obviously document it and have some sort of official correspondence, but... It was a it was a slight tweak on the uh, on on this uh, this idea of like what is the information right Yeah, that's um, exciting. So, do you just so. send a copy then, a copy of the of the thing, and they'll just use them? Is that how that would work? Uh, oftentimes, it depends on if there's any um, if it's just like a projection, perhaps uh, you can you can send a copy and uh, share it. But uh, oftentimes, there's some sort of you know, um, hardware that might have to go with it. Um, you know, sometimes it's a specific Mac mini or some sort of archaic technology, Mm -hmm. like, a you know, a slide projector from the seventies or, you know, 16 millimeter film or whatever. Are you saying a Mac mini isn't archaic? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. How different (laughs) What do you think? Oh, go ahead. What do you think we're running this, uh, this <laughs> <with Apple? laughs> uh, Apple two E. So, <laughs> so I'm going to be, I was going to say, does anyone know, um, of any, um, artist limitations on the number of copies that could be made of an art of a digital artwork? Interesting. Hmm. Surely. Guess, it, it, and it how on earth would that be policed? Well, Blockchain that- would police it now. Um, honor system probably uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest yeah. but uh, I, I would imagine that if an artist would yeah they could probably I was going to say make that demand um, but like make that the rule when they um, give the museum or collection uh, mm. the actual you know artwork the file or whatever it might be and might just say that you know, this is only shown five times, so this can only be given out five times or something, and then it must be destroyed or something. You could say that, and then mm. it would be obviously up to the institution to uh, do that, much as it's actually up to the institutions to follow any of the instructions that any donor True, <laughs> um, right, exactly. That's the thing. So it's not actually necessarily different. Um, we do promise to look after everything. So I wonder if that self-destructs kind of after you yeah. know, a certain period of time. Does blockchain do that? Does that would it allow you to? Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) The blockchain is actually the perfect thing for it um, in in order to track it. But um, but you you would have to enter it into um, a a blockchain system and um, have it tracked that way. But don't even know what that is. (laughs) It's probably best you don't, Chloe. It's something kids play with. Excellent. So, I wish it was as simple as a child's toy. <laughs> um, anyone uh, chime in on the on a response to our our last statement? I don't know. I think we're stumping them. Yeah, yeah that's well, fair. All right. So the answer is um, actually you should use a different brand of storage media to minimize the risk of loss. So uh, explain that one. Well, it's more. Uh, so let's say that you were 
so let's say like in the statement, it says use the same brand of storage media. So you get uh, the exact same type of CD or something that you want to copy it onto. But then that might have the exact same flaws, right? It might degrade at the same rate. Uh, it, you, you're just introducing the same risks again, sort of. Of course, it'll never be perfect because ultimately there are batches of these things, etc. So even using the same brand of some something won't actually work very well. But to keep it safe, you should use a different brand of the same storage media if you can just to make that nice and safe that that makes a lot of sense in an ideal world (laughs) where we can still keep three copies (laughs) yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) you're get a message your iCloud is full you know buy more storage (laughs) so um, you do not pay your hosting bill this week oh no (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly exactly um but yeah, I mean, this 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 type of uh, media storage is really, um, I mean, you know, we we just did what, was it last month or two months ago? We did a mm-hmm. did a did a session with uh, time based media conservation, and uh, it was you know eye opening, but also just sort of daunting, just just how much there is and how specific you know again you know how specific each field is. But I mean, like that one especially is just so so complicated uh, because it's just so new for, for so many people. So I think goodness, there are people dedicated themselves to that because it is, uh, it is certainly new territory for most. So, um, okay. It must be, it must be extra challenging because like museums don't usually have the IT infrastructure that keeps up with the rest of the world because we usually lag behind pretty heavily. That Um, is a very fair point. If you just think about collections management systems, we were talking about this at not too long ago at my institution about um, how there's not necessarily like a very large competitive market because museums are really the only users of it, the only clients, and we're not necessarily out there demanding the way the world would demand of Apple or Google or what have you. So there's a little bit of a slow go, slow rise, slow change. Yeah, well, I think also, especially with collections management systems, um, the amount of effort that it takes to change, it's not like, you know, I, I don't like this product anymore. It's I'm going to change my yeah. phone. I'm going to change, you know, the, the brand of, uh, you know, cookware that I use or whatever. Uh, it's, 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 it takes, you know, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to change it. Plus, you know, the time and effort. Yeah. It, it, so it just makes it such that you really kind of will not change unless you are absolutely desperate. I, I haven't gone through this process once. I, um, you know, it, it is, is a pretty gnarly experience. So, um, but maybe not everything is that way. <laughs> I think so. if we want it to last forever, all we need to do is give it to Facebook, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we uh, start a storage facility on on Mars. I mean, now was that, did I saw something, I, I'm trying to remember where I saw it, but it's something about sending art collections to space. Um, and, um, like I see an accessibility people. issue here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, does that accrue value for the, for the piece that, you know, this one's been to space, you know, this is not like any Warhol I've ever seen. So, um, uh. yeah. Right. So, um, okay. With that, (laughs) (laughs) um, I, uh, I think, uh, at this point we should probably round things up and, uh, and call it a day. Um, thank you so much to all of you for joining us, Angelica, Jenny, Chloe, and of course, Amanda. Um, it's been a real pleasure to, to talk, uh, all things, uh, bugs and conservation. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, where can we, uh, uh, Jenny and Chloe, tell us where we can find, uh, the C word. Yeah, you can uh, listen to us. Well, you well we we are where all good podcasts are. But also, you can go to our website, which is theseaword.show, or you can tweet us at the Seaword Podcast, uh, or email us on the Seaword Podcast at gmail.com if you fancy getting in touch. And you should. We're, we're nice people. <laughs> we're super nice. We say very interesting things. Uh, obviously. That is true. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I was. We, we were. We had a little Twitter banter. Um, discussing this and we were like, oh, maybe we should do an alternate version where it's just really, you know, R-rated, explicit. Um, but, but that's but that's what we that's what we Arch come to chat expect at with night. The <laughs> but this is what we expect from the C word, right? <laughs> 
yeah, that's mean, what you get on Patreon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Angelica, uh, tell us uh, where we can find out about uh, about you. Um, yeah, so I've got a website, so angelicaisa.com, just like my name, or you can just reach out to me on Twitter um, as Conservalama. Perfect. And what and what can we find on your your website? Do you uh, you keep a blog, I think, right? Yeah, it's on there. It's on the website. So Perfect. yeah, my name.com. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you so much. Again, we will put this out as a podcast uh, this coming Friday. Uh, on all good places where podcasts are found. And um, let's see, anything else? Remember, if you are interested in uh, maybe being the next host of ARCS Chat, please uh, send us a proposal, info at arcsinfo.org, and we will consider all good options. And um, I'm not cho- I'm not choosing, so I'm not going to tell you what uh, good is, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, but but uh, throw out some uh, wild ideas. I think uh, the board will be uh, responsive to it. So uh, with that, we will close things out. Thanks so much for joining us this week. And we will see you next month with uh, Amanda and I's final finale. Is that redundant? Oh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I like um, it. <laughs> we're going to have multiple finales. All right. We're going to have multiple finales.